good to see you on this beautiful fall morning, and I'm grateful to have you here today. And uh, my name is Dan. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. Four weeks ago this Sunday was supposed to be a, was a great, great day. I had been looking forward to it so much, and uh, it was this uh, point where what the elders had been praying over and working on for uh, uh, over a year it was going to be culminating with a Vision Sunday, and uh, Pastor Ben uh, was introducing our church to uh, a fresh vision for what we want to do. You see it up here, that every man, woman, and child in Lake Norman and beyond would have the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. On Saturday afternoon, I was at a wedding, and I started feeling just a little kind of funky a little bit, and I thought I'd overheated or whatever, and I went home and ended up uh, crawling in bed and got progressively worse over the night. And when I woke up the next morning, I knew there was no way for me to be in church that day. And uh, to make a long story short, by 4 o'clock that afternoon, I was in the hospital. And uh, they walked in. They said, well, let's just test you for COVID. Could we do that? And uh, sure enough, I lit the place up with COVID. And uh, because of some of my pre-existing conditions, they stuck me right in the hospital. And there I sat for the next five days. And uh, actually missed, I think this is the first time in 40 years of ministry I've ever missed two weeks in a row because of illness. Uh, but uh, anyway, so I am still in the midst of, I got the long version uh, I don't understand it. I already had it once. I've been triple vaccinated. I don't understand, but I still got the lung version. So I went to bed last night at seven o'clock. If you know me, I never do that. I'm like a one o'clock in the morning guy, but I'm still fighting off a little bit this. So if I'm not quite as animated this morning, it's not because I don't find the topic that we're dealing with exciting. I guess I'm just getting old. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to admit that yet, but perhaps there's something going on there. But uh, I am excited about the vision that we have for having every man, woman, boy, and girl, everyone in the Lake Norman area and beyond, which is kind of my special interest because I'm in the, in the missions area, but uh, to be able to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That ought to be what lifts us up, what gets us out of bed in the morning, what inspires us throughout the day. And uh, after, after Pastor Ben introduced that, he, he, he had us uh, take these fall weeks. And what we're doing is we're reemphasizing our church vision, our church mission, and, and, uh, and how we approach evangelism. So as we've continued last week, uh, ben talked about living in community, the importance of being in life groups, the importance of forging these friendships, these relationships, uh, mentoring the discipleship that takes place in a healthy body and ought to be taking place at Life Fellowship. Today we're in the I for life, so L is living in community, I is investing in growth. And that's where we're going to be this morning as we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Before I get into that, though, I just, I, you know, I'm just... I, I hope that when we, often what happens if you repeat something enough, it becomes, it becomes mundane. And I don't want that to ever be the case with our L-I-F-E, living in community, investing in growth, finding your purpose, engaging in the Great Commission. These are the, these, these are the heartbeats of our church. This is our agenda. This is what gets us going. What's, this is what makes us unique among churches. And um, this morning as I was getting ready and throughout the week, I was, I was just kind of thinking about some of the ways in which I've been blessed uh, since I've been part of this church now in my 13th year, and, and, and looking at, at how God has inspired me to grow in areas of my life. And even though I had been a believer for over 30 years by the time I got here, I will tell you that the last 13 years, I see how God has used the experience of being part of a healthy body 
even in leadership, but to be part of a healthy body has inspired me to grow, has challenged me in ways. It's made me rethink things and, and commit to, to greater priorities in my life. I'm, I'm inspired because of what I often see among the people in this church. And, and I was just thinking about that. I think it's a good exercise for all pastors sometimes to kind of look at, at what people are doing and, and be encouraged by that. You may not know this, but this morning as we sit here, we have between 120 and 130 of our young people and volunteers who are working with them. They're at a camp in South Charlotte uh, for the fall retreat, and, uh, and uh, they call it wildlife. And uh, they've been down there since Friday night, and I've been getting pictures and videos, and let me just tell you, they are having an incredible time. But God's doing something great in our student ministry right now. It is exploding in growth. These young people are down there. They're singing, they're studying their Bibles, they're forming community, they're talking with honesty and transparency about the things that are going on in their life. And when they come back, they're going to have taken a step or two forward in their growth toward Christian maturity. And this is an important aspect of what we do as a church body. So I hope you'll be praying for our student ministry uh, even this afternoon and this morning. They have their final big service and as they tie things up this afternoon, it's a great opportunity. I know many of you have been praying for your own children who are down there. But I look across, I look across the the. Uh, the, the congregation, I think, I, I, I don't know, some of you are probably not even aware of this, but we've got a couple of ladies in our church uh, that, that have been, been given an assignment by the Lord, is the only way I can describe it, but uh, Nicole Bryan and, and Melissa Gibbs, about three years ago, began talking about, they, they wanted to spend this portion of their life, they're, uh, they're approaching real close to that empty nest, and what can we do that's big for God, what's outrageous and audacious for God? And God gave them a vision of being able to start a, a Christian high school for a specific kind of student in this area. And last week they announced it and they had information. And I'm telling you what, it's going to be called Ambassador Christian uh, High School. And it's going to be over on uh, uh, Highway 73 in a building that we almost bought about eight years ago before we built this property. We almost bought it and, and, uh, and we couldn't get to an agreement on the price. It sat basically empty for all those years. They bought it. They're, built, they're putting a Christian high school there. But I want you to stop and think about this. Think about two ladies who woke up one morning with a burden and a passion on their heart and they said, we care about young people so much that when other folks may, may think, this is my prime of my life, I can travel, I can do this, I can do that, they're going to start a Christian high school. They're raising millions of dollars to do it. They're putting themselves at risk. They're doing all these things because God laid a burden toward growth in young people on their hearts. It's an exciting thing. You know, I think about people just on a daily, I see, I see Chip and Wanda Pole there. I guess I love these people so much. They've been part of our church. But you may not know this, but Chip and Wanda, they're retired. I moved here from Atlanta. They got family in the area. But, but Chip and Wanda live in Davidson. They live near Davidson College. They're always inviting young people from Davidson College into their home. They fix some meals. They adopt them. Uh, they got a young man from Zimbabwe, which is you know a country I have a huge interest in that they've been working with for the last year or so. They go to the ball games. They connect. They talk and so forth. You know why? Because they're not satisfied with being retired. What they're saying is this is an opportunity for us to help somebody grow. 
That's biblical living. That's what God has called us to do. I, was, I got an email this week from Mary, uh, Mary Kay Portero, who, who brought the ministry alongside families to Life Fellowship. Alongside Families is a ministry that, that is an alternative to, uh, to uh, uh, foster care. And what they do is they have families, and some of you do this now, uh, where, where a woman uh, has to serve a short jail sentence, or maybe, maybe she's just homeless for a little while. Maybe she has to go in treatment for a addiction. Maybe she's just in a financial crisis for a while. But rather than to put the kids into a foster care situation where it lasts for years, they put them in a Christian home for weeks or a couple of months until they get back on their feet. And there's a mentoring, there's a discipleship, there's evangelism that's taking place. So the kids are cared for, mom is supported, and the government is out of it. That's biblical living. That's investing in others. That is, that is living in community. And that's also investing and growth. And I'm so thankful for that ministry. They're going to be doing something great in January that we're going to be part of. You know, I saw Jim Cashman here earlier. There he is over here. Jim decided, you know, Jim's good with his hands and so forth. And so he saw our trailer that we do for missions and he's got that put together. I think it was last week or the week before they went up to Eastside Baptist Church, which is a, a new uh, a old church, uh, but it's, it's, it's struggled in the last few years. They just called a new pastor, a wonderful guy. And, and they're redoing some of their facility, just freshening it up so that when people come, it, it looks looks ready for them. And so we sent a team from Life Fellowship under the leadership. Why? Because we're investing in the growth of other churches in the body of Christ. That's what God has called us to do. We're not about building many kingdoms. We're about building many kingdoms that are part of his kingdom. And so I, I saw that and I was encouraged. I, many of you don't even know this. Uh, we've been trying to talk about it a little bit on our social media, but we about uh, a year and a half, two years ago, began emphasizing internships. The, there is a huge dearth of young people going into the ministry right now. It's very hard to find staff that are ready to be going in, in, into the ministry. And so we very consciously have started inviting people to walk alongside of us in ministry, seeing whether or not God would, would call them. I think you all remember Stephen Desari, who's our, our friend who's working in the cafe this morning, but from India. Some of you gave so that he could do that because of his unique situation. And Steve's now been, Stephen's now been working for us for over, over a year and a half, almost two years, and he's been doing that. But what, what you may not know is not only do we have him, we have Andrew Shoemate, who is, who's doing a spectacular job, helped us whenever we didn't have student ministry pastor. He's working with our teens right now, and he has come on as a part-time intern, actually. He's being compensated to help us with areas that, that right now we're understaffed and we need help on. He's here. We're training him. And he's told me already, I'm going to spend my life doing this. This is what God created me to do. We're investing in his growth. Michael right here, Michael Gallon is right here. Michael is, is uh, married to, to, to one of our girls, Rachel, uh, who has who uh, been part of this church for years. But Michael, who, who, you're an engineer, right? Is that what you're vocation? But he has felt God stirring in him a possibility. So he enrolled in Southeastern University, and he's working on his master's degree in divinity. And part of that is he has to take a nine-hour internship. So Michael and I are hanging out together, and we're working each week for this, this fall semester. And he's doing all kinds of different things. I'm trying to help him get exposed to all the different facets of ministry. When you take communion this morning, understand Michael's the one who set it up, because that's a part of ministry. And so he learned how to do that this week and, 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 and prepared all the elements for us and made sure that that it's organized and ready to go. And what we're doing is we're investing in his growth and he's investing in his growth so that if at whatever time in the future God says, I want you to go into pastoral ministry, I want you to leave engineering, 
He's equipped and ready to go because he's not wasting his time. He's investing his time in growth. I think of, of, of the porters. And I see Mark there. I didn't see James for me I'd be here. But Mark, Mark and Jean love these people. They moved here. He's a retired school superintendent. He retired from Key West, Florida, part of my old stomping grounds. But, but, but Mark has a monthly meeting in his driveway where he invites his neighbors for coffee just to get to know them and just talk and develop the relationships with B-L-E-S-S, what we've been talking about. And we'll probably talk about that more. But his wife, Jane, who is a wonderful educator and a great personality, she's been working at the Neighborhood Care Center, which is a local ministry right across the street in the Smithville section of Cornelius. She's adopted an Afghani immigrant family, and she's been working with them, helping them as they get to the United States. Muslims, but they need to hear Jesus. She's investing in them through her time and her talents and her skills and her resource. English is a second language, all these different things so that they can hear every man, woman, and child and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's investing in growth. I think of the Hensons who are missionaries that are retired. They came back here. They were retired from from, uh, Morocco. When the earthquake came, they're like, we want to go. Life Fellowship bought the tickets and we sent them and they are, I think they're still there right now. If they're not, they're going to be coming back this week. But but, uh, they've been in Morocco for the last two or three weeks doing ministry on our behalf to an area that was devastated by the earthquakes earlier this fall. What are they doing? They're investing in the growth of the Christian community that was devastated in in Morocco and and so forth. Right now, while you know we got the kids in the school, we've got Nate, Andrew, uh, um, Josh, and Griffin, and a couple of others that I didn't remember their names, um, and a couple of our young ladies, and I didn't get to find out who their names were. But about six or eight of our single adults kids between the ages of 18 and 25, who are partnering with the other workers at at, uh, Student Life and serving as counselors and coaches and so forth. Why are they doing that? Two reasons. Number one, whenever you're a college-age student and you're in high school and you look up at those college-age students, that's big time. Those are are cool kids. They're a lot cooler than 62-year-old Dan, let me tell you that, right now. And they listen and they hear and they high-five and they love that. But you know what else they're doing? They're learning how to work with the next generation of young people. They're learning how to teach the Word of God, to counsel and coach, and to be patient, and all the different things. They are investing in the growth of young people, and they're investing in their own growth. These are the things that God has called us to do. I, I don't want to keep going because I'm going to break my record if I'm, I'm not careful. But I just, I, I see, you know, I see the Dunhams. I was talking to them this morning. They do so much with our prayer team. Every month I get a, I get a, a message from them and say, how can we pray for you this month? While we walk in the mornings, we pray for the pastors. I, I love that and the work that they do. But also in small groups, we lost our small groups pastor some months ago. And, and Doug has stepped in as a lay person and is doing that until we find our next one. And it's been amazing. Brad and Gwen Smith have their own business. This week, he told me this. He said, we get with our staff team and we let them know. They're, they, I think they've got like 90 employees. So we let them know we're Christians. They're not all Christians, but we, we want them to know we're Christians and that we pray for them and that we pray for our clients. And he was telling how he shared his testimony and the difference that makes. You know, Jason, our, our pastor, you say, well, don't you pastors just work for the church all the time? Not necessarily. Jason, several years ago, joined a partnership and started a ministry called A Cause for Tea. They raise money and they send it to Nicaragua and other parts of the country. They do crisis pregnancy counseling with women considering uh, abortion. And, and they started a little tea house. And I'm thinking, yeah, that'll last about 10 minutes. You can't get into that tea house. 
You have to have reservations weeks in advance. The place has exploded. They're raising funds. They're changing lives. But here's the cool thing. They made a decision when they opened the, the tea house to look for women who were transitioning out of difficult circumstances, everything from addictions to worse. And they give them a job. They train them for the job. They get a resume. They get an address. And they get a future. And they witness to them and they disciple them and they grow them in Christ so that they can now get a job outside of this this institution, and be able to take care of their kids, take care of their family, and stabilize and turn their lives around. And some of the stories that are taking place there are amazing. You see, he's a worship pastor, but he's also an investor in growth for others, and it's making a difference. And I think of of the Wilsons. I think of of, of them, our missionaries, who are still traveling back and forth to the mission field. I think of our small group leaders. I think of our kid life workers right now. I think of Communion De Vida, which meets in the next service. And, And uh, the communion de, Ziva, uh, communion de Vida has now started discipleship groups in Cornelius and in Mooresville, and they're starting one now in Kannapolis, and it's for Spanish speakers. They're having two conferences a year specifically to train their people to go into the Spanish-speaking community and make a difference investing in growth. Now, I could go on and on and on just like I have for the last six or seven minutes. I want you to understand this is the heartbeat of Life Fellowship. This is part of our mission. And sometimes because we operate in our own little bubbles with our own little communities, we sit in the same seat every week, we may not be aware of it. But I want to challenge you this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture and as you hear the testimony of your brothers and sisters who are sitting in front of you and behind you, that investing in growth is part of what God has called us to do and part of what God inspires us to do through the person of Jesus Christ because Jesus spent his 33 years in this world in ministry to build others up, to equip them for the gospel, to share their hope, and to live out their purpose. And so that's where we're looking this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Melanie read those for us, but I want to read them one more time because I think you know getting this deep in our heart will have an impact on us. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So he gave these categories. Listen to them again. Some were apostles, some were prophets, some were evangelists, some were shepherds, some were teachers. But they are a gift from God. These leaders with unique leadership qualities. Now, verse 13 or verse 12 answers why he gave them. Why did he give them? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we would no longer be children, that we would no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, that we wouldn't be tossed by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, here's what we're to be doing. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part 
is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And there you have it. God's plan for investing in growth. Very quickly, I want us to start this morning by, by looking at just some general principles of investing in growth. Things that I think would call all of us to some level of consideration and action. The first thing I want you to remember is this. Some, in this passage, very clearly, are called to lead, but all are called to grow. I want you to see that. Some are called to lead, but all are called to grow. I think sometimes we look at our opportunities, we look at our missions, we look at our gifts, we look at our talents, and say, if I'm not using those to lead, somehow I'm not doing what is important, or I'm not doing all that I should be doing. And I think it's, I, I, here's, here's what I want you to hear from me this morning. <clears throat> it's okay if you're not a natural born leader. It's okay if God hasn't given you that that whatever it is in a personality that says, I want to stand at the front of the room. I want to be the one talking in front of people. I want to be the one providing the direction. I want to sit on the board of directors. If God has not given you that passion, that desire, I want you, I want you to understand something. You are no less important to the body of Christ. You are no less integral to the mission of the church than anybody else. God calls people for different aspects, as we see in the last verse that we read in verse 16. Some of us are joints. <laughs> Some of us are phalanges. <laughs> Some of us are muscles. Some of us are the brains, and some of us are the brawn. But all of us are important to a healthy, functioning body. And I want you to consider that. And I, 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 for, for some of you, I, I really hope that God will use this truth to help you see the opportunities that are around you. Now, let's be honest. I'm a firstborn. I'm a type A. I'm an ISTJ, whatever, whatever, you know, your those weirdo little uh, personality things that people give that, that show your personality. I take them all. You know, I, I've, I've always been that way, you know, whether it's Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or Strengths Finders. I can't walk by them. I got to take them. I know what my spirit animal is from, from, uh, from Facebook, and I don't even believe in spirit animals, but I can tell you what mine is, all right? It's just, it's weird, but I, I, I have this addiction to them or, or whatever. But all of mine says, Dan, when you walk in the room, you're looking how to get to the front of it. I, I don't know. My mom said that, that uh, the moment I was born, I put my finger in the air and started talking. She said, I knew you were going to be a preacher or a teacher or something because you, you, that, that, that was your first inclination. Um, and, you know, <coughs> there have been times when I and those who know me wish that wasn't how I'm wired, but that's how I'm wired. But God doesn't wire everybody that way. And, and in this room, I want you to understand, and what we're doing here this morning you will, you will see maybe a dozen different people who, whose job it is to stand up and direct or lead or teach a class or lead a song or something. But do you realize that there's between 120 and 150 people spread out all over this campus, have been since 5.30 this morning and will be till late this afternoon, 
whose names you do not know, whose faces you will not recognize, who, if they do not show up on Sunday morning, leave a hole substantial enough that it can cause a glitch that everybody else will feel. When our nursery workers don't show up, when our kid life workers don't show up, kids are devastated. They're disappointed. And then a lot of them show up in the auditorium, and if they're not ready to sit in the auditorium, we love kids in the auditorium, don't misunderstand me, but sometimes they squawk and squeal and throw things and rattle stuff and, and so forth, and it makes the room different. Let's be honest about that, all right? Whenever, whenever somebody doesn't unlock the doors, when someone doesn't put the signs out, when someone doesn't prep the coffee, when someone doesn't have the music ready to go, all of those things have the potential to cause a hiccup in a service. I want you to understand something. Investing in growth is not something that's always about the person in charge. But it's rather, it's indicative of a heart that says, Lord, where can I be used to be more like you, to serve others, to grow in the knowledge of your word, to be discerning, to be a help, to share with every man, woman, and child in Lake Norman and beyond and give them the responsible to have the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel of Christ. That's what all of us can do. And don't think that because you're not the guy standing up here or because you're not the person signing a check or you're the, that, and somehow you're not integral and vital and important to that process. Why? Because we're a body. And when one little part of the body is malfunctioning, the older you get, the more you know this is true. The rest of the body suffers. The rest of the body suffers. So to all of you, I say, what is your role in investing in this body, in your growth, in the growth of others, in the health of this church that glorifies God? Because that's the ultimate mission. The mission isn't that we should be noticed, it's the mission that he should be noticed. So everything you do, whether it's putting a sign out or whether it's preaching the scripture or it's playing an instrument or it's taking care of kids, whatever you do, we're to be doing it to the glory of God. So what's your role? How are you investing in the health of the body and in the progress? So some are called to lead, but all are called to grow. Here's the second thing. Personal development is an intentional process. So important things never happen without a plan. Something, you know, a leadership principle I've taught for, for years is that process precedes product. You say, well, what does that mean? You get what you're planning and the process you build. And if you don't put a process in place, you'll build nothing because you've planned for nothing and you have no goal what the product looks for. So what is it that God has called us to do? Well, he's called us to glorify him. What else has he called us to do? Preach the gospel to every nation. And what else has he called us to do? Baptize. What else has he called us to do? Teach them the word of God. It's not complicated. It's really, really clear. It's not a billion things, but it's a few things that are super important. So what then, how are we intentionally moving toward the accomplishment of the assignment that God has called us to do? First and foremost, to glorify him to love him first, most, and best, and to take the gospel to every man, woman, and child, starting here and around the world, so that they can hear and respond to the gospel. 
Personal development is an intentional process. And it begins with asking God, what is it you want me to do? And when we have the right goals, which ought to be obedience to Scripture is that primary one, when we have the right goals and we have the right process, which is discipleship, becoming more like Jesus, we will have the right outcomes. But we've got to stop and think. What does the Word of God say? That's why the preaching and teaching of Scripture is always so paramount. And then the next question is, what are the outcomes that God has asked me to do? Studying the Bible, this is what God wants me to do. Then we ask, how do I get from point A to point B? That's the process. For some people, like Michael, that means I needed to get a degree in seminary. That was his plan. For others, it may be I need to take a life university class. For some, it may be I need to be discipled one-on-one. For others, it may be I need to join a life group. For others, it may be I need to go to training on how to be a life group leader. For some, it might be I need to know how to do personal evangelism. For others, it may be I need to be mentored so that I can become a leader in my home or in a church or whatever. But there is a process that is important if we want to produce the right things. You know, we're coming up on the end of the year. <coughs> it seems hard to believe. <coughs> Excuse me. But we're coming up to this time of the year where, you know, Christmas comes and then it's New Year's. And what do we do at some point between Christmas and New Year's? We plan for what, how we want next year to be different than this year. How do we want 2024 to be different than 2023? And a lot of, I, I hear, I, there's some pastors I hear, honestly, every year they, Goals to set for 2024, and you know, they do this, and at some point you almost become numb to it. But, but, but here's the reality. From time to time, it's important that we stop and say, what am I going to do next? What do I want to accomplish for the Lord? But if we stop there, we'll never change anything about us. You've got to have a plan. For instance, some people say, I'm going to read my Bible through this year. I think that's a great goal. I think that'd be a great goal to set every year. But it's more than just saying, I'm going to read my Bible through every year. You've got to have a plan. What does the plan involve? Well, first of all, it needs what time of the day am I going to read my Bible? you got to schedule some time for it. Is it going to be morning? Is it going to be night? Are you going to make a rule with yourself that says, you know, no social media until I've done my scripture reading for the day? Oh, wow, got personal there, didn't I? Is it going to be, you know, what, what, what is that strategy for when you're going to assign the time? But also is how much do I need to read? You, you need to understand, because if you try to read the entire Bible in a week, you could actually get through it, but you're not going to remember much. So what's your plan? Are you going to go straight through Genesis to Revelation? If you do that, you're going to quit in about four weeks when you hit Deuteronomy. So you better have a better plan than that, right? All right, so maybe you read a little Old Testament, a little New Testament. Maybe you read five chapters a day. Maybe you read four some days and six. I don't, I don't, but you have a plan. You say, I want to be deeper spiritually in a year than I am right now. I want to be equipped. I want to be, I want to, I'm, okay, that's awesome. That's, that's great. But here's my question for you. What are the steps toward that? It may be I need someone that will sit with me once a week for one hour and walk me through a discipleship program or discipleship strategy. And I'm going to do it on Wednesdays from 12 to 1 o'clock. I'm going to set my Wednesday lunch hour aside, or I'm going to do it on Saturdays from 8 to 9. But I'm going to have this time. You make a plan. And that's my challenge to you. 
Find a strategy that invests in your growth. I'm going to read a book every month. I'm going to be discipled every week. I'm going to take a college course online every term. I'm going to have a conversation with my mentor every month. I, I don't know what it is, but if you'll spend some time thinking and praying about it, God will help you develop a plan that's intentional and that allows you to grow in service to him. Number three, growth is for service. And I want you to understand that. Growth is not so that you'll become smarter. Growth is not so that people will know who you are. Growth is not so that you become more powerful. Growth is so that you can serve others in the body, so that you can glorify God more meaningfully and deeper, so that people see more of Jesus in you. This through your service, through your living, through your decisions, through your priorities. That's why growth is important. And I just want to pause here and say this. I just taught Life, or, um, um, Life Quest last week. Life Quest, by the way, if you haven't taken it, let me urge you, we do it about every six or eight weeks. Um, I, I enjoy teaching it, um, and I'll be teaching it again, I think, sometime in December or January. <clears throat> but it's, it's the course we ask you to take before you commit to being a member here. And I think you should be a member, and I'll explain that why in the course. You don't have to become a member to take the course, but you do have to take the course to become a member. And so take the course, and it tells you why Life Fellowship is the way it is. But one of the things we do is we share our values and one of the values we have that I've taught every year for 13 years now is this. We are an equipping church, not an event-oriented church. This has been true of this church since it was founded 19 years ago. We are an equipping church. We are not an event-oriented church. Let me tell you why this is significant and why it's one of our values. Because we are not trying to draw a crowd we are trying to build a body. We're not trying to draw a crowd. We don't want to be the biggest, the loudest, the noisiest, the most famous. We, we're not. Because I got to tell you, when you draw a crowd, there's a lot of ways to draw a crowd. And a lot of them are parts of dog and pony shows. They're gimmicks. And they don't produce health. They produce size. Now, let me pause here and say this. I'm not criticizing churches that have a lot of events. I know of churches who have a very specific philosophy that says, you know, it's kind of like throwing mud on the wall. If you throw enough mud on the wall, some of it sticks, and the more sticks, the bigger, you know, and so forth. And I, I grew up in that kind of thinking. I understand that. I don't necessarily subscribe to it now, but I understand it. I'm not interested in criticizing people who see it a, a different way. I want you to understand that I believe the biblical model is that health produces growth. And the right kind of growth is done because we're healthy. And healthy comes from knowing the Word of God, lifting Christ up, loving Him and others more. Then you'll produce the right kind of fruit. You'll produce a strong body. And so you'll understand, we do events from time to time, but there's always a reason behind them. For instance, we'll have an event in December. I don't know whether they announced it today and look through life. If not, it's coming up real shortly. We're going to have some, a couple of Christmas concerts. That's an event. But I want you to understand, it's not just an event. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to invite your non-believing friends and neighbors to come because at that, they will hear the gospel. And often Christmas provides that because people are thinking about religious things. So people who don't think about Jesus all year long will think about him for a few weeks. So we're going to present the gospel. But here's the other thing. Do you know that the choir has been rehearsing for this for months? 
And they've been learning skills that they use on Sunday morning. And they're going to be using the same songs on the missions trip. There's a lot more than going. The event is just one tiny part of investing in growth, using your talents, sharing. And by the way, you know who will be the people that bring the most people that night? will be people that are singing on the platform, singing in the choir, playing instruments, because they will have that contact so that they'll come and hear them. And we're praying that God brings people into his kingdom because of this. But you understand, we don't do every event that comes along. Sometimes my family goes to events that other churches have because we're looking for something to do and they're doing it, and we go, and that's fine. I may see you there. But you understand, our resources are focused on equipping you. That is why we have Life University. That is why we have Wednesday morning Bible studies. That's why we have Tuesday morning Bible studies for women. That's why we have Thursday Bible studies. That's why some of our small groups you know, are doing all kinds of things during the week. But I want you to understand, we are about service. Serving others. I was talking to one of our men this morning, and, and he came in, he's so excited. He goes, man, we went down to the Charlotte Rescue Mission this week, and, and we were preaching, and he goes, and, and we talked to some guys that, that are in there for rehab, and some of them may even be coming to the church service this morning or in the future, and we were able to talk to them and share with them what God is doing in our lives, and they're sharing with what God is doing in our lives, and we made these bonds, and we taught them, and we're helping them, and we're equipping them, and he was lit up. You know why? Because he was serving. He was serving. And sometimes in our mind, they ask, Charlotte Rescue Mission, that's for a bunch of homeless losers, right? Absolutely not. Do you know that there are bankers down there who got addicted to alcohol, who lost their homes and their jobs, and who are now having to live there trying to get clean and sober? But they're probably educated, better educated than all of us in this room, and they've had positions of power and authority, but they made some wrong choices. And the only solution for them is to know Jesus. You see, we need to be about serving the least of these. Number four, individual growth has corporate consequences. Individual growth has corporate consequences. The maturity of the body overall is a reflection of the maturity of the individuals. Real and meaningful change begins with one-on-one discipleship and personal growth. So here's what I'm asking you. Are you investing in growth personally? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you getting to know your neighbor and sharing the difference that Christ makes in your life? When is the last time you confessed sin in your life? When is the last time you made a change, a priority, so that you could live more like Jesus? When is the last time you told yourself no because of something that you learned from the Word of God? When is the last time you pushed yourself a little further because of something you learned from the Word of God? Are you rearranging your life because of what God is doing? Or do you rearrange things that God's asked us to do so that you can be comfortable or because of convenience? These are tough questions, but they're important questions because our church will never be stronger than each person in the room. And if we want a healthy church, it begins with Dan and Julie, and your wife, your husband, your children, and it grows from there. Now, let's look at the scripture very quickly because I want you to to kind of circle these words because they're key, and I want you to go back and study them. But I want you to see the products that happen when you grow. Look in verse 13. 
The product starts there. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. There's the first one, unity. The ability to get along with your brothers and sisters in Christ is a reflection of whether or not you are maturing spiritually. Unity is not the natural byproduct of fallen man. All you got to do is look at the internet news and you'll see that our world is as divided as it has ever been in my lifetime. And why is that? Because we're further from Christ than we've ever been in my lifetime. The natural posture of man is conflict, first with God and then with everybody else. But as we grow in maturity, we learn, we learn what is important. And it changes how we respond to others. Because those who are without Christ need Christ. And those who are not behaving biblically need discipleship, even if they are Christians. Number two, look what else it says. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. It produces knowledge. Knowledge about the Word of God knowledge about the person of Jesus Christ, who are one and the same, by the way. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's he talking about there? Jesus. So Jesus is the Word of God. And when you know the Word of God, you know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, the Word of God is of great importance to you. So let me ask you this. Are you growing in the knowledge of the Word? Number three, continuing in verse 13, to mature manhood, to mature manhood. Now again here, this you know, manhood is a masculine sense, but it's just to, to spiritual maturity. <clears throat> when our kids don't mature, what do we do? We take them to the doctor. There's something wrong. The natural expectation of something that grows is that they mature, and that ought to be us spiritually. If you have not grown spiritually since the day you trade, prayed and trusted Christ, there's something broken, and you need to figure out what it is. God has called us to growing, to maturity. And what does maturity look like? Well, look again in verse 13. To the measure of fullness of Christ. Growth produces Christ-likeness. And by the way, notice this, how it says it. It's really cool. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Did you all do this with, when my, my dad was six foot three? He was a big old tall guy. And when, when I started hitting my growth spurt, you know what I was constantly wanting to do? And some of you, you did this to your dad, some of your kids do it to you, right? Dad, 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 come here, turn around. And I put myself, how close am I? How close am I? Now, I got ripped off. My mom's 5'2", and guess who I turned out like? But, but, but the, reality, the reality is that was the stature I wanted to attain, and I used him as my comparison. Some of us are using the wrong stature on what we want to be. We're using a rich guy, we're using an educated guy, we're using a powerful person, we're using a popular person as the standard by which we determine whether or not we're mature and successful and doing what God created us to do. And I'm here to tell you, quit measuring yourself to the wrong standard, try to be the standard of Christ's likeness. That's the standard. That's what growth produces. Then if you would look in verse 14, notice what it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine. Growth produces stability. It produces the ability to look in the face of Satan's lies and say, I'm not believing that. I'm not doubting God. I'm not quitting. 
I'm not swallowing that lie because you're confident in the knowledge of that which is perfect and right. The more you know the Word of God, the more you're going to have this stability that keeps you from flitting from place to place to place to place and idea and question and doubt. You're going to be secure in what God has called you not only to do, but to know. Which brings me to the sixth one, because look what else he says. Carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. You see all those different strategies that Satan has to get you to doubt your faith? You see, growth produces discernment. I know what you're up to, Satan. I know what this is all about. You want me to doubt. You want me to quit. You want me to rationalize. You want me to compromise. You want me to do something that's not worthy of Christ. So growth produces discernment. And then I want you to look in verses 15 and 16. Rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up every way into him who is the head of Christ. And then look at the drop down to the verse, into verse 16. And he makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Love is what marks us as believers. I don't know about you, but I look, I look at what's going on in the Middle East. I look at what's going on in Washington. I look at what's going on in social media. I look what's going on in our streets and on our college campuses. And there is no love at all there, is there? There's no love. There's no love for truth. There's no love for God. There's no love for righteousness or mercy or compassion. And I've got to tell you, there's no discernment either. There's no discernment. People are believing lies. Growing in the knowledge of the Word of God will give you the discernment to love the right things. And our world is loving the wrong things right now in a major way. So what do we do? Number one, develop a plan whereby you're taking spiritual ownership of your growth and your development. What's your plan? This is not something that you ought to just like, well, I'll get to it. No, this ought to be a priority. What's my plan? What are five things I need to do? What are three things I'm going to address? What is my, my bucket list of things in which I need to grow? Number two, see discipleship as a matter of spiritual obedience, both as a disciple and as a disciple maker. There ought to be two things happening in your life. Somebody ought to be pouring into you and you ought to be pouring into somebody else. That's discipleship. So my question is, who do you have that is now at this moment pouring into you spiritually, teaching you the word of God, holding you accountable, asking you tough questions, training you? Who do you have that's pouring into you? And then my second question is, who are you pouring into? Who's somebody that you're putting your arm around with and walking together with them and saying, let's follow Christ together. That's the essence of discipleship. Someone pouring into you, you pouring into someone else. Number three, always assume the posture of the learner. Always assume the posture of the learner. I've been a believer for almost 50 years. I've been in ministry for 40 years. And I got to tell you, 
I need to learn more today about Christ and love and truth and wisdom and discernment than I ever have. Than I ever have. You never get to the point where you should not be learning more about Him. So I don't care where you're at in your journey. I don't care how much you've accomplished outside of your Christian walk. Assume the posture of learner always. Then finally, be willing to risk comfort and convenience for growth. Be willing to risk comfort and convenience. It's going to cost you something. Nothing worth having is never gotten for free, except for salvation. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you priorities, cost you opportunity. It's going to cost sacrifice. And sacrifice is a word that we use way too infrequently. Investing in growth requires a sacrifice. But I got to tell you this. When we invest in growth, worlds change. Our world changes. Those we touch, those in our home, those in our community, those we love, those we care about. That's why... Paul was saying to the church at Ephesians, keep focused. Little community, you're living in community. Good job, Ephesians. Now invest in growth. Get closer to Jesus. Be more like him. And don't forget why we're still here.